As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. The Square Ball Podcast. It's podcast 96. We are back. I'm Dan. With me is Michael. Hello. And Moscow. Hello there. Still no Oddie. Please accept our apologies for not speaking to you for quite some time. There are really mundane work-related reasons for us not doing that, just about studio access and stuff. But we are here. It's Sunday night, straight after the Huddersfield game, so we're in fine fettle. Yes. There's not been much to talk about over the last few weeks anyway, so we thought we'd wait until we had a great derby victory over the Terriers before we bothered, because otherwise we'd just been coming in, shrugging, saying nothing and then going away again. Well, I, for one, am looking forward to a bright future under Juve Rosler, uh, under the stewardship of Adam Pearson, with Massimo Cellino at the helm there. That's pretty much how we left it, isn't it? We well, When was the last time? We'd just beaten Derby. Yep, and we were looking forward to a, two quick home victories in a week. We had Brentford and Ipswich, both winnable winnable games. You'd think so, especially with a tactical genius like Juve Rosler in charge. Heavy metal them to death. And the uh, the calm influence of Adam Pearson. Before we get into all that, then let's talk about the magazine. On to issue three, the last one to be out. It could have been months ago, quite frankly. But anyway, 84 glorious full-colour pages for two quid on sale at Ellen Road. Look out for issue four as well. That's the that's the next one. Yeah, issue four is probably more relevant because you'll be able to buy that at the Rotherham game. Um, no idea what's in it yet because, you know, got a week. Catch up with that uh, online if you don't get to Ellen Road. You can buy it at thesquareball.net. Same place if you fancy getting yourself a subscription. White watching. Sensible place, then, I guess. Let's talk about Rosler as we get into it a bit further. But we had the three defeats in a row, didn't we? Borough away, where we were fairly pitiful. Um, Birmingham at home. And then Brighton at home. Rosler exited. And it was a point then at Fulham, wasn't it, when Steve Evans came in? Um, let's start then with the Blackburn game. because we were on Sky there. We, we sort of looked at the extent of, of how bad things had got, really. Bad old game, that. Thursday night football. Mm, should it's- never have happened. <laughs> It's not a concept I find myself with having much enthusiasm for. Until we're in the Europa League. And then I'll maybe accept it. I'll lose to anybody in 17 seconds if we're in the Europa League. That'll be fine. Grasshopper Zurich can come and beat us as quickly as they like. It was awful. I mean... Worst I, one of the season? I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> um, so far. So yeah. Far. I, I mean, I laughed at the first goal because 17 seconds, it was just... And you could see it coming as well. It wasn't like the ball... My wife, the my ball, wife would be impressed. The ball, <laughs> it wasn't like the ball going in the net was a shock. It was... The move had started well down the pitch and as soon as they started attacking, I thought I, I had the thought, they're going to score here. And then when the ball went in the net, I just burst out laughing. I was chatting to a guy at work and he described it perfectly. He said, he said to his mate as they, as they kicked off, he said, it's like a, a start on FIFA, this, not an actual game of football. Because <laughs> they just got the ball and started running towards the goal. And then scored, it was like, oh shit, yeah. that can't happen so quickly. Noel Whelan actually said on the radio on the way home as well, that shouldn't happen at a decent level of football. That's something that happens in, in pub football and kids football, is that you kick off and score a goal. Yeah. No one who's vaguely organised should allow it. Let's not dwell too much on the nig. No, I'm not, I don't want to get into it because it's sort of all been and gone. Because at least we shut up shop after that goal. <laughs> well, this <laughs> is it. I, I laughed at that one. I was prepared to be entertained by the novelty of a 17-second goal. The one that followed it after six seconds was just furious anger at that point. I couldn't believe 
I'd been dragged from my home. I think it was six minutes rather than six seconds there, wasn't it? It's... Yeah. Did I say six seconds? Yeah. Okay. Well, Again, you think, mi- you're thinking about my poor wife. <laughs> six minutes. I've been dragged from my home on a Thursday night of all nights, which, you know, because it was on Sky, I could have stayed in. You don't have Sky, this, don't pretend. Or gone to a pub and, and <laughs> watched through the windows while other people enjoyed the heat. And instead, it was clear from that point that one, we were going to lose, and two, well, the next test is, is there going to be any kind of fight back? Are the team going to show any any attempt to try and rescue it from two? No. No, no. Nothing nothing at all. Second half when, uh, well, second half when Chris Wood started getting booed for not winning headers, getting the Sylvester treatment, then cheered as he went off, and then Dakara came on, boos for Dakara. It was awkward as that. No one quite knew where to, where to do the booing and where to do the cheering, yeah. and then the booing again, and... And then there was a, but there was a general because people don't like to boo a player onto the pitch. We're not quite at that level yet. <laughs> there was a general kind of come on, Takara, see what you can do. And then he, the ball went straight to him, hit his knee, hit him in the stomach, and then went out for a throw in. It's just what? Why are we? Yeah. Why have we stayed here after the first seventeen seconds? Even Phil Hay tweeted about that from a position of clear exasperation. Well, okay then. Was that the point at which we probably, or it looks like in in recent terms anyway, bottomed out? You know, that's when the Massimo time to go chance all started. But then let's move forward to the Cardiff game. And, you know, eight months without a home win, exercise that particular ghost. Never never been in Cardiff in my life. Is that's that right? That's true. I'm 31 years old and it was the first victory of, it, my, of my life against Cardiff. Wow. Congratulations. So, yeah, a special time. <laughs> and you owe that to Steve Evans. And if you ever tell him, he will never let you forget it. <laughs> Oh, well, it- there's a boy out there who owes his life to Steve Evans. <laughs> oh, is this his new voice? Is this? It's a, bit, it's a little bit Welsh. <laughs> well, well, he's a little bit. He sounds to me. He sounds like a shit Sean Connery. So that's what I'm aiming for. It's, can I do a shit Sean Connery? Um, and it, it was a fairly low quality game, all things considered. The Cardiff one. I mean, uh, to listen to Steve Evans and Radio Leeds afterwards, they were. I think they referred to Chris Wood's performance as the complete striker's yeah. performance on the radio. <laughs> and you know, he thought. Yeah, it really, really wasn't. Apart from when he just managed to beat the keeper and then had an open goal and put it wide. <laughs> Complete striker's I mean, I've performance. Seen, I've seen Mark Viduka score four goals against Liverpool and Tony Yeboa <laughs> hammering in goals from all angles. and <laughs> They were probably complete striker performance. Even Jermaine Beckford, some of his performance. Becchio, some of his. This, no. He's not a, if you don't score a goal for a start, that's the first thing a complete striker's performance needs to involve. <laughs> a goal. As an assist would be would be second best. <laughs> you know, that doesn't exist. First home win in eight months, and he's moaning. He's <laughs> moaning about. To be fair, I know exactly what he means because I I was there and I watched it. I thought we weren't great. It was, I mean, compared to Blackburn, don't get me wrong. It we was didn't concede two goals. Phenomenal in five compared minutes, to yeah. Blackburn. We, but we were still felt like Chris Woods wasn't winning headers. The defense was kind of. I mean, there were but, but everybody was everybody was on but the bar. Alex Mowat scored a brilliant goal. And we won, and then I got in the car where I had to sit in the car for half an hour because uh, the guy who used to be on the podcast, Poddy or whatever we used to call him, <laughs> had parked in the Peacock car park where we were trapped for 30 minutes. So that so I was forced to listen to half an hour of people on Radio Leeds calling it the best performance that of in years. And it wasn't just that Noel Whelan described Chris Woods as the complete uh, striker's performance. He's like, from 1 to 11, that side were absolutely magnificent tonight. <laughs> Fucking words. Silvestri's kicking was as bad as it's ever been under any circumstances ever. If Mowat hadn't have scored that goal, it would have been nil-nil and it would have been disappointing to still not have won at home. It would have been concerning for him, but everyone would have gone, it's probably about what we deserve because Cardiff were crap as well. Leeds were crap. We had Alex Mowat. We won the game. Then I was to listen to Steve Evans' post-match interview. All hype. Hyper- where he, ta- oh, where he started talking about what... what, what, what why do you think the team was so much better tonight? Well, I showed them a video before the game of a limbless baby. Genuinely, it's like a motivational video of a, a, a little lad, no arms, no legs. I was like, I could not believe what... One of the... I know we'll talk about the managers in more detail. One of the nice things about Uwe Rosler, shit as he was, is I didn't know <laughs> what videos they watched in their pre-match meetings. I didn't know... I mean. I hear the Germans have pretty niche tastes. <laughs> great great goal from Alex Mowat tonight, Steve Evans. Well, you know, Steve Evans told him at half time he needs to take more shot. <laughs> Fuck off. Anyway, 
<laughs> turning against him already. First victory in eight months at home, and you're turning against I'm, him already. I'll set my stall out right now. And I'll, you said you have a problem with disabled people as I, well. I was nice one, Glenn Hoddle. I have no problem with disabled people. I have problems with people like Steve Evans using their videos as a to make themselves look better. Glenn which Hoddle, is the only, the Glenn only would probably show that same video, so you need to play well, or this will happen to you next time. But he didn't then go to on the radio afterwards and tell everybody about um, how great it made him look. Anyway. anyway, I'll set my stall out. I was against Steve Evans from the moment he came in through the door, <laughs> and I will be until the moment he goes out of it again. Whether it's in a wooden box, because of his heart <laughs> like lives out. A crate, a crate, I would suggest. <laughs> uh, listen, well, it is or whether true. it's I mean, to take up a job at his rightful level back in the conference. What I was going to say was, his way out again. What I was going to say was, all hyperbole aside, it was just important just to get the win because it was desperately needed. Yeah, and it acted like Kool-Aid on everybody. Suddenly we were all on drugs. Uh, and then on to the weekend. No no, no drugs involved, hopefully. On to the weekend. Um, Huddersfield, local derby, 3-0. It was easy, wasn't it? In the end. In the end. Wooten, inspired. <laughs> you know when you know when you see a film and there's a, like a gang, and sometimes to prove how hard the gang is, they'll take out one of their own members. They'll just, the leader of it will just turn around and shoot someone. That's what Wooten did. <laughs> Takes down Cooper, shows the ref, don't fuck with me. I could do anything. You're not sending me off. <laughs> it was funny that he didn't get sent off because I know how much it means to Huddersfield and they will be going on about that for decades. Yeah. And it was all day long he should have been off. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it was 100% a red card. Yeah. Anybody who tries to tell me that Wooten is a better choice at right back than Sam Byram, watch those challenges because he does them every game. And it's just always, oh no, somebody's running past me. Clink. Well, the, the standard response to that is, well, what's Byram done this season? It's like, do you not notice that everybody's actually been out of form? Yeah. yeah. And there's the whole contract thing going on. There was a lot of that when uh, Byram wasn't in the side for uh, Cardiff after everybody stamped the place out in Blackburn. Well, you know, what did he do? Murphy was even worse against uh, um, Blackburn. He could barely kick a ball straight. Stayed in, it's, played better. It's the contract, isn't it? Contract. Of course it's a contract. Well, even Steve Evans has come out saying he's going to lock, lock them in a room together, watch some motivational videos, no doubt, and get him to sign a contract. Good if luck, these Steve. two girls can drink what's in that cup, <laughs> you can sign this contract. <laughs> that was Rosler with the niche German stuff. Of course, sorry. Evans now. Back to Huddersfield then. Three mm. really good goals, though, all things considered. Let's Well, middle one perhaps not quite as high calibre as the other two, but three well-worked goals and well-taken. What I love about the middle one, since you've brought it up, we will be positive eventually. What I love about the middle one is when Antonucci <laughs> won, it's clearly going to shoot all day long, but he's, he's uh, um, because he's on an incentivised contract and he's a greedy bastard. But um, but his touch is so shit going around the goalkeeper, he's got no choice to cross. But that's no problem because we signed a striker for £3 million in the summer who will be there following it up. Ball goes in. Who's there? Lewis Cook. Where's Chris Wood? Miles away. Fucking hell. But just because Cook can't put it in, bounces to Wood. And then it's like, it's the least confident <laughs> shot into an open goal I've ever what. seen. There's the whole goal to aim at. So he puts it between where, like the small gap between the two. He placed it in <laughs> calmly in the corner. It, Michael, it's good it to was be back, a, isn't it? That was a perfectly acceptable finish. Uh, no, you watch it again and you'll, re- you'll see the panic in well, the... What will say of that, that goal, the Huddersfield defending was very Leeds. How I, the fact that such a nothing ball got through in the first place, oh, no. and then the Not Wood was the one. Jo- Luke Murphy from took the a big deflection off someone. It took a big deflection of a Huddersfield head. It did touch any. No, it, it was along the ground. Murphy's ball to Antonucci. Like an arrow along the ground. You are misremembering this. It hit a Huddersfield head on the way through. I, I'm not having this. It was a, <laughs> a, it was a you brilliant... Need to, you need to find the footage because it hits a Huddersfield defender on the head on the way through. Don't believe it for a and second. And go straight into his path. Antonucci's path? Yeah. Rubbish. You, you've never seen a football match in your life. Right. You're going to look a fool. You will. It's, a, it's a ball through the air which is headed into his path. Through the air. Doesn't touch anybody. It does when you see it from the other angle. Rubbish. It takes a big, big old deflection. Not just, like an arrow. Just to fill you in, by the way, if you're listening to this, these two are squabbling. And look at that now. finish. Awful. Watching video footage. Look. Awful. Well, look. This, lads, this, this is great for a podcast, audio, this. Look at the... Right, we've got a Chris Wood on the edge of the six-yard box, and there is a goal in front of him. There is one player in the centre of the goal, and then to his right, 
two defenders and the goalkeeper coming along. So which side do you think he puts it? Yes, he puts it to the defender's right where all the players are and just about manages to miss the one who's lying on the floor's head. Awful. Do you know what? I, I just give a shit that it went in. That's you remember, fine. You remember when we were um, crossing off Antonucci's goals earlier in the season? They're <laughs> not good enough. This doesn't count. 2-0 win. And Luke Murphy's uh, inch-perfect through ball still still qualifies. Though, it was very something. funny watching uh, the Wooten assist as well for uh, Mowat's goal. I like that a lot. It was almost yeah. He was uh, a crucial part of the build-up for um, Antonucci's goal as well, which was a good goal to be fair. Humped forward by Wooten and then um, magically controlled by Dallas. Little one-two with Wood, and uh, I will give him some credit for that because you know outside of the box he's pretty good. We should probably give Sylvester a bit of credit as well in that second half because he did make some good saves. He's good at that stuff. Yeah, yeah. But there was also one in the first half where so he was clearly meant to have come for it, and Belushi was left thinking, "Why am I dealing with this?" And in quite an awkward spot. Yeah, so, you know, it's a mixed. You get a bad. mixed bag. The, the saves the were good, but the there is no bad about Alex Mowat though. No tattoos. No, no, I love him. Okay. Defensively, I thought we coped a lot better with Huddersfield when we realised their winger, who was they were doing the inverted wingers thing, a guy called Lolly, who was on the right but was left-footed and was clearly unwilling to use his right foot at all. So after a while, we just started going, "Go down that side, then." And he was absolutely useless. Just kept just kept having to lay it back to a fullback after we realised that. So, Are we yeah. not going to talk about Moritz goal at all? We can do. Yeah, <laughs> both this and the Cardiff one were dead good. It's a bit positive. Well, the greatest goal. <laughs> well, the greatest goals I've seen for years, and I th- the Cardiff one was good. And then this thing, you see, because we've had that argument about the uh, wood goal, I can watch this, and neither of you can see it. Here it goes. Just sitting up, bang. Never seen anybody hit a ball so hard in all my life. And the celebration's pretty good as well. Especially the the, uh, the photographer caught the moment when he was being, um, what's the, the niche German term for what Berardi and Wood were doing to him? I believe it's gangbang. There, so he was caught being gangbanged by Wood and Berardi. What do you reckon to the Wood and Antonucci partnership? There's something about it I I can't quite make work in my it's head. It's shit. You think? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not a fan really. They don't play as a partnership because, but but I mean, admittedly, on paper you would look at it and think, well, Wood's going to be winning the headers, Antonucci's going to be feeding off the scraps. Wood doesn't win any headers, so that bit of it doesn't work. And Antonucci doesn't ever pass, so that he doesn't work in a partnership either. Yeah, I wrote about Wood the other week saying it, he doesn't win headers. It's almost like he wants to feed off the scraps that are much, a much, much taller player who's nodding down to him. But unfortunately, he's the one who's nodding it down, so he's then chasing the ball after the defender's won it. It just doesn't work. I think all, a lot of the worries about switching to four four two was um, how would Antonucci play with Wood, but it is more how is Wood playing with Antonucci. It's made Wood worse. Um, I think it was the Fulham... With the Fulham game where they tried it first and it first became apparent how often Lewis Cook gets ahead of him all the time. It's I'm, When I joke about it with this Huddersfield goal, but it's like, who's in the box? Antonucci and Cook. Where's Chris Wood? Nowhere, because he doesn't know how to play with Antonucci. So, I don't know. New strikers would be helpful. <laughs> Chuck them all got, out. Get them we've out. got plenty of money to spend. <laughs> Again, on the last podcast, we were, we were still in the Chris Wood honeymoon period to an extent, weren't we? So, you know, it was just... It hadn't been great yet, but he was gonna. He, that goal at Derby give him confidence. He's gonna mm. really. But uh, you know that what? goal at uh, Derby was incredible. He still scored more goals than Steve Morrison did. Well, yeah. I mean, that's not even a comparison. But he's, he's a striker, isn't he? And, and it's a confidence game for strikers. And, and like Dallas has gone off the boil a bit. But I hope he doesn't sort of, listen to this. Sort of return. Dallas has returned to form a little bit in this sort of field game. It's just about building confidence and building wins. I've he? never he's minded played Dallas. every single game. Dallas seems to get a bit of stick from some people. I, I quite like him. I think he do, he puts an awful lot of running in, even when he's not having a great game. I think a lot of the time it is that the balls to him are wooden style humps <laughs> down the wing. I noticed that with Antonucci and Belushki. Belushki has pumped one forward to him again in the Cardiff game. The complete team performance in in evidence again, which Antonucci just watched it sail over his head for goal kicking. Just turned at Belushki and was like, "What do you think?" I'm going Belushki's. I've noticed with Belushki that when he's kind of if some if he's done something wrong, he'll go and find somebody else to advise. So he's like, I could, I'd listen to your Mirko, but I've really got to help Lewis Cook like just on his game. I'm you know, come on, Cookie. So well, oh yeah, strikers. All I think about strikers, we keep signing strikers until we re-sign Becchio. That's my policy. Strange how it came back round to that. All this leaves us in fifteenth, uh, lads. Hey, it's comfortable. We're home. <laughs> the news.
One or two bits and bobs on the transfer front to uh, to pick up on. We have Will Buckley on loan from Brighton. Has he done anything? No. He's not the same one, as, I, as far as I can gather. I remember the one at Brighton. Yeah. Quick, tricky, running into the box. Well, he's, he's from Sunderland, of course, isn't he? Not Brighton. Well, yeah. But, but he that's, was, when he, that's when he made a that's name. When he, that's when he played against us and looked really good. He's been through the Sunderland mill, which would suggest that signing players who had big transfers to Sunderland and now can't get a game on loan is perhaps not the best tactic. And having seen Will Buckley backfire on us, I just hope we won't make that mistake again. We may not, to be fair, given how long this other one's dragged on for. Dragging nearly as long as the Joel Ward transfer, this one. It's almost as if the club isn't necessarily stable behind the scenes that's making the simple matter of a loan signing more complicated than it needs to be. Uh, I I ain't doing nothing more. Even... Uh. Even Sam Allardyce started taking the piss when people asked him in a press conference about the deal for Bridcott. He says, oh, it's confused. It's confused a bit like Leeds. Bit like Leeds. Fuck off. That's <laughs> but you are right. Yeah, <laughs> naturally. What's this about us being in for a striker? We're in for another striker. You're saying we should sign strikers until we get it right again, but we're not sure who it is. I'm guessing it's not Becchio. There is one. Although the poor bastard would be absolutely loving it, wouldn't he? Like, hey, guys, look at me. I if, have on my Leeds training gear in the gym. If there is a shred of humanity left in the world, Leeds United should sign Luciano Becchio just for the happiness it will give him. Never mind and any you, of us. And you. Never, I'm irrelevant in this discussion. Look at him in the gym in his Leeds United training gear. Just like, hi, Leeds fans. Come on. Come on. He probably doesn't even want money. He'll pay to play. <laughs> and take that deal to Chilino. Mr. Chilino, there's a striker here. I don't know. I can buy Cruz Wood. He says he'll pay you to come to the club. Oh, bring me. So, How old is he? <laughs> so I I just want Becchio back. I, uh. I don't know about other strikers. We do need other strikers. You want Becchio back? But I want Becchio. We've had a, we've had a period away, haven't we, and things have not changed. No, never. Although we do fear change. We do fear change, don't we? Well, and it doesn't ever get any better. So this is one change for the for the better. I mean, Becchio coming back can't make anything any worse. Yeah, so do you think this is all underpinned by this this power vacuum that seems to have taken over? Because looks like Massimo's taken his bat and ball home, and in many ways the wheels did start to come off, coincidentally, when Adam Pearson left. Yeah, that was a good night. Ipswich game. And then, just, again, another one. When you were listening to the radio on the way home and you're just thinking, oh, all right, so that's the wheels have come off then. Another defeat. Because you were thinking, I thought on that night there's a chance Rosler will get sacked. Mm, that's what I was expecting. I thought, has, is it a case that Pearson has gone because he wanted to sack Rosler and Pearson didn't want to be there while he sacked Rosler? And mm. I was thinking that was, that was all going to happen on the same night. As it turned out, it was at least a week away. Yeah, I remember, I think I was, I just got back into town and I was checking Twitter while I was about to go for the train and I saw he'd been sacked and I decided, and then it was that point, yeah, I walked past the Scarborough Taps and through the window I saw Andy P, one of the square ball writers. I thought, you know what, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to have a pint and moan. It's just, I needed company. And there were no words had to pass between us. Just walked in, it's like, Pearson, fuck's sake. And that was pretty much, pretty much it. I, mean, I do think we put Pearson on a pedestal as if he's some sort of magician, but the reality of it is, is that he was just someone who could get stuff done. Yeah, who was there? If you look at it before, and he's not been replaced, has he? It's no. not like he's left, and so therefore we've brought someone in to do his job. Massimo was doing that job as well as other jobs he was, he was doing. He was a very useful filter, is what I think Pearson was. Yeah, and you just look at the club before he came, look at the club while he was there, look at the club since he's gone. It says that even if he wasn't perfect. It was better. And as we keep saying, change always makes us worse. That was one change that did make us better. Well, Juve, poor Juve, he was said he was devastated when Pearson left. I wonder why. Yes. So it's that filter. It's <laughs> nice to have that, know that there's someone not wanting to sack you, probably. Yeah, he said, the, the working relationship between Adam and myself and Adam and Mr. Cellino had been very good, which I think says a lot as well. Once that relationship changed from between me and Mr. Cellino... Paints the impression of a, very much a middleman, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, we uh, we foolishly all predicted, I think, at the start of the season that Rosler would see out the season. But I think we did all say that was contingent upon Pearson seeing out the season. And him not being shit. <laughs> that would have helped. Yeah. Well. To, to be honest, though, I mean, and, and there's a series, we'll come on to you, Vane, in a second, but another niche German thing. Uh, is there 
a, a genuine argument for the idea that it's hard to know how anybody's going to perform under Chilino because we really struggle to separate the ownership of the club with what goes on on the training ground and all the bits in between. Mm-hmm. I'm doing the job of 10, 20 men. You know, it's all that. It's Make one of those men, not the manager. Mm. Would be the, one of the jobs you're doing. Do you think it's the get I me? Mean, do you think under different circumstances Rosler might have done all right? I mean, I did see a tweet for I think it, I can't remember if it was a Wigan fan or, or one of the uh, Brentford lot saying Juve Rosler, uh, not the man for a crisis. Mm. I mean, there were a lot of rumours going around about why Adam Pearson left, and the most logical and consistently uh, credible one is that he just couldn't hack working with Massimo Cellino anymore. That four months of madness was just enough. I think. The the relevant pop songs are uh, Jimmy Soul's If You Want to Be Happy for the Rest of Your Life, Don't Work for Massimo Cellino, and also uh, Drake, Hotline Bling, which has only come out since Pearson left. I think Pearson deserves a co-credit on writing the lyrics for that one. Those songs describe his time at Leeds perfectly. And it'll be the, the experience of anybody who's working for Leeds. You will not have a, a fun time working for an absolute maniac. Well, he was sacked after we lost to Brighton. We were 18th at this point. So, once again, staring down the barrel. Strange how this keeps happening. Um, two wins in 11 games. Uh, did all right in the end, didn't he? Outlasted Okade or Milanic. That's got to be the target for anybody coming in. I wonder if there's notches on the door. See people competing, see how far they can, how long they can stay for. Uh, I know we've joked about it and said he was shit. What do you think, really? Was he any good or, or can you not genuinely judge him objectively? If what he was saying about developing a playing style and... If he was if he was brought in to do that, he wasn't given enough time to do it. Mm. I don't think there's any point in, as much as he may even sometimes want to do it, if Massimo knew himself, he, he would realise there is no point in bringing in a manager who wants to build something long term because he won't allow that to happen. Because after a few defeats, he'll go, ah, shit! He'll yeah. go, no, but you don't understand, Massimo. We're, we're building things with the youth team. We're all playing the same styles and stuff. He's not interested in that. So he was the wrong man for the job on reflection. And then you look at the money that was spent on that style. Chris Wood was signed three million quid to play that role. Stuart Dallas didn't come cheap. And then we don't. And then it took until about two games before Russell was sacked before um, Buckley and Bataka turned up. So we finally had we finally got the players in place for him to try playing the style of football that he wanted to play. And we sacked him. Which Michael's exactly right. There is no point in doing that if we're just going to go. It doesn't work anymore. And now Steve Evans is left with a team beautifully moulded to play a style of football um, that he's not interested in. So we've got to go and we've got to go and find another good striker. I mean, you say you say it's with... beautifully moulded, but it actually never came off, did it? No, we it, never. I mean, it was awful. I, mean, I wasn't enjoying what Rosler was doing. There was there was a half a game at Derby where we looked really good, and mm. that aside, I would struggle to say we were ever. We ever played well. And I noticed in um, our notes here, somebody's written, what happened to heavy metal football? Question mark. Did you see Jurgen Klopp's comments this week when somebody asked him about heavy metal football? He said, the worst thing about my life is that I say a lot of stupid shit and people keep talking about it. <laughs> and I'm like, yep, that was... I'd love to be in there. But I agree. That the shoes. There, um, there is no sense, is there, in undoing a full summer's pre-season and training and appointment of coaches. It's it's just stupid. I have no idea if Uwe Rosler... Well, based on Leeds United, I have no idea if Uwe Rosler, Darko Milanic, Neil Redfern, even going back Brian McDermott to an extent, it was always the argument we had with him, is we can't tell if these people are any good or not. I deliberately excluded Hockaday because he was crap, and I will exclude Steve Evans. Um... <laughs> There's just no way of knowing because they're just not given a fair crack of the whip. But the risk with Rosler was Chilino had gone so far all in on him with players was that he would stick with him and this would be the one manager that he stuck with the whole season who could have turned out to be the worst of the lot and could have taken us down. So maybe it was the right decision to sack him because he was just so far wrong. But it's not a policy, it's not a strategy, it's just purely whimsical. 
And, um, well, Steve Evans and Paul Juve Rosler basically crossed over in the car park. Might have even been the corridors at, at Thorpe Arch. Juve probably just glad to get out of there, to be perfect. Not honest. a man you can pass in a corridor. <laughs> no, you... Oh, oh, no, you... Oh, sorry. Um, I'll go back out. And you, uh, so, yeah, he was in literally minutes after uh, after Rosler left. He, he was there with his bin bag to take training, wasn't he? What was point out he was wearing the bin bag. Not that he just didn't have one. What do you think it was that um, attracted Massimo Cellino to the convicted fraudster? Hey. Um, his hundreds of begging there, emails. There we go. Um, his willingness to do whatever Cellino says just for a, a minute's chance at the Leeds job. I mean, you, whether it's for comic purposes or not, Moscow fairly uh, evidently set your stall out against Steve Evans. No, it's not funny. I hate this guy. Really? Always have. Well, his um, when you, the conf- convicted fraud isn't just a small matter of, like, uh, it's not like just not paying the tax on a yacht. It was four years at Boston United where they structurally put in place a shadow system of payments so that they could overpay players, give themselves a bigger budget than the rest of the league, and get promotion. So when he goes on about, you want promotion, you want Steve Evans, yeah, only if you're going to carry out a massive tax scam and almost become, he was very, he was given a suspended, one-year suspended sentence, to keep him out of jail, his lawyer in the, the plea said that um, he is never going to commit a crime like this again because he is absolutely terrified of the prospect of spending even one day in prison. So not only... Pretty lad like that. He won't last five minutes in prison. So not only is he a, a fraudster and then a, a sporting competitive cheat, and if you want to know... Uh, like Boston United got promoted to the Football League ahead of Dagenham Redbridge and because the FA and the Football League are completely incompetent, they never fixed that. Boston United continued getting all the riches and roles at the Football League while Dagenham and Redbridge were just in the conference going like, so they cheated and they, they won. Is that what happened? And then when it came down to, are you going to go to jail? He's too much of a coward to even consider doing that again. So he's just there is nothing to recommend him. To be fair to Steve Evans, not many people would go to court and say, do you know what? Put me in prison. Fancy, I could Fancy I'm, it. I'm aware I could avoid it, but by all means, lock me up. It's like holiday, isn't it? You get Xbox <laughs> these days. Xbox and Sky TV. All right, we'll just, we'll just concentrate on him cheating his way to success over right, a four-year yeah. period. You're not a fan, Michael. What about you? I equally am not. Don't get me wrong. I was in no way punching the air when we appointed him. But his record outside of, and like you say, you can, you've got to discount the Boston stuff to a certain extent because he did cheat quite spectacularly. They were paying people, putting like 120 quid a week through the books, whereas I were getting like 600 quid a week from elsewhere. It was quite a big, big amount of money for that. Well, certainly for that level, percentage-wise, they were making a big advantage from it. He has then gone to Crawley and Rotherham and done and got back-to-back promotions with both of them. And as far as we're aware, there was nothing dodgy going on there. So he can he has he has shown himself to be a, a good manager for sort of lower mm. league football. It's Crawley where there's a video of the players uh, singing "The Fat Man Has Gone" and doing a dance after he's <laughs> announced he's leaving. I think just throwing that out there. But he did do well for them. I know they had a lot of and they equally they had a lot of financial backing at that time as well. Mm. So it's not something he's going to get at Leeds United. I don't no. think. But there are arguably he's a better appointment. He's a better manager than Redfern. He's got a track record which suggests he's a he can do it over a sustained mm. period of time. Redfern, he had the, that link with the youth players and things, but it was really based on a few wins was his record. Likewise, Milanich and Hockaday. I know these were coming off of a very very low base because these are the people that Chilino has seen fit to a point. But he is arguably his best appointment in terms of a track record. Mm. If we can put aside the fact he seems to rub everybody up the wrong way. Well, he is annoying me as well. We can his. His track record previously, but then there's also things like taking credit for the Alex Moritz goal against Cardiff. And he did it again at the weekend. Like, you know, Alex was on the floor when I came into this club. I've turned him around. I picked him up. And he did it with Byram as well. And, and Byram's completely disappeared. Like, oh, well, he did it actually on his first press conference. He's like, I've seen such a change in Sam Byram over the last few days. He's a different player. He'd only come. He'd only got the job the day before. Sam Byron's completely changed. So maybe Sam Byron was just having a bad day on Monday, and he's coming on Tuesday in a better mood. He's like, oh, I've changed that boy around completely. And now Sam Byron can't get it, even get into the team, and it's to the point where, well, now I really need to do some work with Sam Byron. Thought you'd done that. Thought Sam Byron was fixed. Can I just say, I love the new accent that's in your uh, your lexicon there, and your range. It's wonderful. I think if this uh, cold ever goes, it'll be fucked. The thing about taking credit for what 
Mota did that. Louis van Gaal did that yesterday as well for Man United. So it's it's just something. Well, that's done, am I supposed to like Louis van Gaal? No, it's, well. it's something that's done at all levels. Is all I'm saying. It's something managers do. I mean, the third person thing. But you know what will happen there? Great. It'll come out and say, "Oh, you know, a lot of people compare Steve Evans to Louis van Gaal," and ah, uh, and he'll mean it as well. He, I don't mind. He was talking much. about the team. Is it? He'd ask anybody from from here to Jose Mourinho. They'll tell you that Leeds United have got some good players. I bet Jose Mourinho couldn't name two fucking Leeds United players. <laughs> See if he gives a fuck. You were too busy him- looking for physios to sack. <laughs> You were comparing him to Warnock. We were having this discussion, yeah, saying that he's a similar sort of character to that, and he's full of himself in the same way. But my argument against you on that was that Warnock, I would hear his post-game interviews, and what he would be describing didn't relate even vaguely to the football match I'd seen. We'd have not had a shot on target. We'd have been dominated. They'd have had seventy percent possession. They'd have had fourteen shots on target, twenty-eight off target. He'd come out and say we were really, in, we were really in control, and then we didn't get that. We didn't get that throw in and the they scored from referee. it. And it changed the game. A real Neil Warnock performance. <laughs> so you'd hear his interview and be quite angry that he was evident watching a completely different game. Against Blackburn, we were awful. And Steve Evans came out and said, we were awful. And that was actually all right, in my opinion. And not, not great that we hmm. were awful under his guidance, but at least he was seeing, I think Phil Hay said it, he at least seems to be seeing the same thing as other people are seeing. He does go a long way the other way, though, because after the Cardiff when um, I remember he was talking, I was on the pitch with a tear in my eye as so moved and then he started going down the Warnock route of uh, not football wise but saying that like you know I'm here in a hotel room on my own and what's keeping me going is the support you knowing my family are behind nobody <laughs> fucking cares Excellent, man. just tell me why Chris Wood can't win a header uh, listen, let's wrap up this managerial talk, but uh, it's worth looking into the numbers a little bit here, that he is, is this right, the sixth manager in just over a year? Yeah, I was I was looking at this. Since since Cellino, he's, a, he's the sixth manager we've had. And if you sort of go back in time and you see where this will inevitably lead us to, if you go back six, back from um, McDermott, who was his first, you get back as far as Blackwell. Go back another six, you're at Wilco. Another six, you're at Armfield. Another six, you're at Rach Carter. <laughs> which is sort of John Charles era, for those that don't know where we are yet, and then go back another six, and you're at the first ever manager of Leeds United. All this means what? So it means basically within another within four years, we will have doubled the amount of managers the football club has had since 1919, and in the space of five, five Massimo Cellino years. I can't believe you have not given Dick Ray a shout-out. Just refer to him as the first ever. The man has a Sorry, name. Sorry, Dick. Dick Ray. Dick Ray. And I wouldn't be surprised that if Trillino stays four years, Dick Ray's probably reanimated and comes back. I got a great plan. Meet this guy. He says he can bring back the dead. One hell of a superhero, though, Dick Ray. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Yet again then, and it feels like we're always talking about this now. Maybe we shouldn't bother. Uh, Massimo Cellino banned from owning Leeds United. Funnily enough, he sacked Rosler, didn't he? Just within the same 24-hour period has been banned. That's incredible. Busy few days, this. And he'd also uh, banned Leeds fans from away games on our behalf just just prior to this happening as well. So he's quite before a, or after? I couldn't remember. It was just before. Because remember, um, it then worked out uh, when he would have been told about the ban and there was some speculation that that had triggered him acting like a dipshit maniac um, over the away tickets thing and then Rosler going. So this was all over the, over the Land Rover this time, wasn't it? Um, and at the time of recording, mm. we believe he's due... Is it, is it the IS Arena in Cagliari? That's about to go into court as well, mm-hmm. isn't it, in the next couple of days? 
your general thoughts now on, on where we are. By the sounds of it, if you listen to people, they're saying that he's, he's done, he's had enough, he's said that himself. Uh, wh- where do we go from here? What do you think? I think we'll be all right. He's fucked. I think um, as long as he doesn't take us with him, we'll be all right. The Land Rover, it's interesting that he's been done for that because that was always the one that everybody was like, minor. That's it, Nothing will happen over the Land Rover. There's the other yacht and then there was the arena and then there was the alleged illegal payments on players, um, McCormack and Adrian. I think Adrian's incorrect registration or something, or third-party ownership. Anyway, all that shit was expected to be a problem, but nobody really thought, and uh, Massimo Cellino least of all, that the verdict on the Land Rover, innocent or guilty, would have any bearing. But the ballsy old football league decided, no, if you're guilty of the Land Rover, we're going to ban you for that. And I think um, the message that they're sending to Massimo Cellino is basically, we can ban you for the Land Rover, we can ban you for anything. All that other stuff that's more serious, look at it now, that's your baseline. Land Rover, ban. And so Massimo Cellino, being a strong man who takes no bullshit, who fights to the last with every last fibre of his being and his heart, given up, don't want to do it anymore. Next person through the door, hey, you want to buy the club? Huh, yeah, it's Leeds Fans United. Yeah, all right, you buy the club. And then suddenly he's like, yeah, we're for sale again because he just wants to go because he's spineless. And there's the... Uh, Hang on, are you suggesting he should grow a pair of balls and stay? Um, <laughs> well, he's already said that the balls he had have shrunk, which appears to be one of his major reasons. I don't know if he's could works he, near he? A, lives near a power station or something. <laughs> What do you what do, what do you think personally? We don't need to rehash the the facts of the situation too much. What what's your opinion on it? He needs to go. He's going to be banned. He's well, he is banned for this. He's appealing, but he is, as it stands, banned for it. He's got so many other court cases in the pipeline. They'll get him on something surely. Yeah. Some of the court cases as well, like you say, this is quite a trivial one. The one about the stadium involves embezzlement of public funds and things. That's a far more serious. Steve charge. Evans level. <laughs> <laughs> That's a far more serious charge that he's up on. If he could, have, I think, go to prison for that one. Mm. So he's going to really struggle to run the club from a, from an Italian jail. And I, I'm just going to back this one out there. I think he might fail the owners and directors test if he's put in prison. You reckon? He'll, think, go, down the, so. he'll go down the David Hay route of saying a lot of good people have been to prison and claiming he's Nelson Mandela for embezzling public funds. And that's it. It's almost, it's getting to the point where it's irrelevant whether we think Massimo Cellino should stay or go or what we think he should do. It's just getting to the point where he will no longer be allowed to run the club. So it is a question of, is he going to be unlike Ken Bates and unlike GFH kind to us on the way out with his choice of uh, of who he sells to? Which... For a couple of days, it looked like he was going to be. Now, could be anybody. Who would you like to see come in at this point, then? Who can I, who, who are my options? Well, Justin, yeah, let, let's talk hypothetically, then. Where, where does this go from here? I don't know. <laughs> you scared? It depends, who's gonna, it depends who's out there bidding. Well, there are, peop- there are people out there, we know this. I mean, Phil Hayes said there are at least a couple of uh, interested parties, but what does the next owner of Leeds United apart from not being Massimo and not failing the owners and directors test what does the next owner have to be does it have to be a billionaire or does it just have to be somebody sensible somebody quiet I think not Massimo would be a good start I don't need a billionaire I don't have interest in billions of pounds there's enough money comes into Leeds United from the fans buying tickets and merchandise and TV gate receipts you know we've got to get some good out of being on Sky all the time there's enough money comes in that should run a very good championship club. The only problems are that we don't know, we still don't know, Cellino sorted out all the finances. Who knows if he sorted out all the finances? And the the desire to do careful due diligence that at least Leeds Fans United, for one, displayed suggests that nobody trusts what he's done to the finances. It could need X amount of money to sort it all out. So that's the problem, is... Probably, Michael's been saying this on the square ball form, that us three could probably go into Leeds United and make a better job of running it. At least there'd be three of us rather than one. <laughs> hey, we're doing the job of three men now. And we could keep Terry George just to like run around for us, keep us supplied with drinks. What, juice. what would you like to see happen, Michael? <laughs> I'm gonna, I mean, I've put my 100 quid into Leeds fans United. I would like that 100 quid to buy a bit of Leeds United is what I is what I want whether or not that is they're able to do that to own part of the the whole thing or a little bit of it 
I would like to think that whoever, if we do go through to one of these other other buyers that have been rumoured, I'd like to think that they will see the value in having at least a small interest bit of that, a small percentage being owned by the fans. Um, just from an engagement point of view, I think it would it would help massively, and, and it would be reassuring to, for the fans to know that someone actually does get a look at how things are being run there. And we have just, it's worth saying, got out of a, an hour-long discussion with Dylan and Sharon from Leeds Fans United, and they're confident of that being a potential outcome. Um, you can hear that in the other uh, separate spin-off podcast, um, if you want to listen to that, but well worth a listen. Yeah, so it, it, there's a lot of variables at the minute, so it could yet happen that we do end up with a different uh, majority owner, because they were saying in, in our other chat that they believe that it would be difficult now for any new owner to not in some way engage the fans. Mm. Maybe, if, you know, if something good has come from this whole hoo-ha with Massimo. My concern with, because they never got to the point where they, Massimo actually said, yeah, it's this amount of money is what I'm, what I'm looking for. It's not so much what he has done to make the situation worse, it's how much money he has had to pour into it since buying it for an already inflated price. And does he want it back? Actually saying you want your money back for something when you have horrendously overpaid for something and then had to chuck a load more money into it doesn't really work it's like if you buy if you buy a house that is overpriced and then have to spend loads of money on it it's no use putting it on the market for what you've paid for it because no one else will buy it that's what worries me is that he's going to be in a position where he can't he doesn't feel he can actually sell it because he'll be taking a big loss on it for what it's actually worth and there is a risk with the uh the birmingham city situation i don't know if it's resolved itself where i believe their owner failed the owner's director's test and ended up in jail and yet somehow still owns the club. And if Chilino can't get an offer that meets his uh, requirements, then whoever is running it in his stead will just carry on. And there will be no more investment from Chilino in that instance because he's effectively banned from doing it. And also he'll have no desire to even try and cheat an investment in there because there's no benefit to him. The fate of Leeds United from that point... It's basically irrelevant to his happiness and well-being, but still very relevant to ours. The reassuring thing is we've got a manager who we know is going to be there for a long time with his monthly rolling contract. Big show of commitment from both sides. Love that. Coming up. Next one up then is the return of the Redders. And, and a- the Whiters. A.D. White, yeah. Red, Redders and, and the Greeners. Oh, yes. Goodness Although me. apparently he was utterly terrible with Paul Green on uh, Saturday. They lost 5-2 to Ipswich Town. And, um, yeah, Green was booed off at half-time, which I support. He's one of those players who was a trier, so I can't think age has been kind to him in the trying stakes. Mm. Don't talk about his Cruyff turn at Derby. How did you know that's exactly what was on <laughs> the I can't Because we can't time. mention Paul Green without you you bringing it up. I can't see um, A.D. White in the squad, which, given that um, any Leeds United youth product is an automatic selection under Neil Redfern. <laughs> Gives me a bad feeling that he might be injured. Poor thing. Hey, it's worth pointing out that they are bottom of the league and the only two wins they've got all season have both come under... Big Steve. Big Stevie! Well, what does that tell you? Pro- Maybe you should go back there. As if it were needed that Steve Evans is better than Neil Redfern. Uh, uh, for the record, I would have given Neil Redfern the job for a season, at least. I'm not suggesting that I think Evans is a better choice for it. I think on that tip, you make a good point. And I did send a tweet out from the TSB account at one point towards the back end of last season saying, just give this man the backing and the stability he needs. And stability goes a long way in football, doesn't it? We had a, we had a thing that was working until, uh, well, until the whole uh, Steve Thompson thing. It, it, it was working. We, we had the, the evidence there. Then he went and the wheels came off. So if something's working, carry on doing that. Until it stops working. Yeah, makes perfect sense. And yet, instead, here we are arguing about which one of the two managers that have taken Rotherham to the bottom of the championship is a better choice for our job. There's a a flow chat that I've seen shared on Facebook quite a bit, and it says, um, is it working? No. Is it? Did you fuck with it? Yes. No, it says dickhead. (laughs) It's it's a chat Massimo should have in his office. I don't know. I feel like Rotherham probably deserves to be bottom of the league. They're that kind of a club, really, aren't they? And we should beat them. Yeah, I mean, Steve Evans and his brilliance aside, they are highly likely to find their natural level in League One at some point again in the not-too-distant future. They can't forever keep uh, staying up, you don't feel, do you? Similar to Huddersfield, really. A bit bigger, well, they're a bit bigger than Huddersfield. But... Well, of course, yeah. Yeah, you forget, yeah. So, obviously, we'd be looking for three points against Rotherham at home. Well, it'll mean so much to Steve Evans to, you know, I agree the fans there, 
love Steve Evans. And uh, there'll be a tear in my eye kick off, just et cetera, et cetera, et On the plus side for him, even if he loses this game, he can probably try and claim a victory out of it. They were his players. Yeah. I coached those lads. <laughs> I, I had a word with Paul Green at half time and I told him, yeah, I still believe in you, Greeny. Yeah. Scored oh, a hat trick, and even if and if Rotherham do win, at least we can claim it because the Redders. Mm. So this is a no lose situation. Well, it's a no lose situation for Steve Evans. Well, well, well somebody, no somebody might lose some points, but we all know that football and Steve Evans and Neil Redford, and therefore us, are the winners. Points aren't relevant to no. our situation. Um, Let me we'll, just check the table. We have <laughs> we have got the um, internet fantasists uh, who scored dot com. What they say about these lot, and they're pretty much bad at everything mm. uh, apart from attacking set pieces, coming back from losing positions, and protecting the lead. I mean. Uh, I don't understand how a side who signed A.D. White in the summer can be described as very weak at defending against attacks down the wings. It doesn't compute. And we've got Bataka now. It must now. be because he's out of the team. That will be will be why. We haven't spoken enough about Bataka, who is tremendously exciting. And that was the big problem with the Cardiff game, that Bataka wasn't brought on as a substitute. He brought Dakara on, because that solves everything. Yeah, the only, the only fun in, of the fair as far as I can tell, is Jordan Bataka. Hasn't scored yet, not got an assist, but some of them step overs. He's exciting. Isn't I he? like He's him a lot. Mercurial talent. Sort of. Just a talent. He can run really fast and like do tricks and beat players. And in Birmingham, when he came on, they hated him, you could tell. He would be awful to play against. Yeah. It, it would be harder to play against him if he ever got a cross into the box. <laughs> do you know what? Paul Butler would have just <laughs> taken him out, knowing that. Not even that. But no, he's 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 good. He's certainly a, a nice problem to have. Uh, don't you love it when the football gods align things like this? We've got Rotherham at home, and then we travel down the M1 to Shepherd's Bush. We've got QPR away, and the return of Neil Warnock. Again, we're all winners, whoever wins this. Those two, on the touchline, together. You've got to remember, Warnock left a really solid foundation at Leeds, didn't he? He was, he was keen to stress that uh, after he was sacked when we were about... 17th or something. The, the strength of the foundation he left stands in good stead to this day, I would say. A team of future legends, one and all. I've not yet heard him try and take credit for Lewis Cook, but he will at some point. He was still uh, he's still, still too busy claiming he was right about Ross Barkley. He was going on about that the other day. He was saying, uh, in fact, yes, he did an interview where Ross Barkley's in the England squad and he's saying, saying well, <laughs> I had him at Leeds and uh, he was a lo- lo- lovely lad, lovely player, but... Uh, Problem at Leeds was I had a player called Ross McCormack. And the way he said it, it was like as if this was the worst thing that had ever happened. I had this player called Ross McCormack and he scored all the goals and he did everything. He played know. a different position to Ross Barkley. But because he had Ross, number one. Because he had Ross McCormack, it meant he couldn't have Ross Barkley because neither of them would defend and you can only have one player who won't defend. He's like, Ross Barkley, you say what you like about him, he's, he's, he's never going to track back. He's not, he's not got a defensive ball in his body. And so, uh, and I had Michael Brown, I think he at that point brought up that he could play Michael Brown instead, who would, who would defend. Because the point of football is not to score goals and have exciting players and entertain people. It's after people like Michael Brown who can just kick people. Yeah, so he's too busy worrying about uh, people going about about Ross Barkley having a good career, which he will not allow to worry about claiming Lewis Cook. Speaking of, of players he likes, I was looking at the QPR squad and it looks really good on paper. You see like Charlie Austin still there, Leroy Fur, uh, Sandro, J. Manuel Thomas. But the, who do you think Warnock's most looking forward to working with again? I know. Uh, Pushing 40. Think about it. Pushing who does 40. he want? I'm looking through their squad now. <laughs> who's, who's the oh, star man? Of course. It's one more go in the Premier League. Oh, Clint. Clint Hill. <laughs> He's still got the quality. It, if Jose Mourinho wants to sort his defensive problems out, don't sign John Stones. First name on the team sheet, I would imagine, for Colin. It's funny their squad. I was looking at some um, QPR fans and saying what's gone on. And the reason they've sacked Chris Ramsey, it was going to be a season of uh, consolidation. Get rid of, um, Get rid of all the Premier League players who were weighing them down. Focus on a young squad rebuild but because they couldn't sell any of the Premier League players because they're all overpaid and shit and nobody wants them the owners have gone we've got all these really good Premier League players let's go for promotion so like Chris Ramsey was doing all his interviews saying like yeah I think good draw today really showed the progress we're making and then his superiors are coming out going like 
we need to be top two by Christmas. And so they've sacked him. And to get top two by Christmas, Neil Warnock's come in. They're very much in the Massimo Cellino position. If they've gone, well, we've paid all this money for these players, so what we'll do is we'll just sell them for that. We'll get that money back. Yeah. And they've gone out to the market with them and everyone's gone, no. He's injured and he's on he's on 80 grand a week. I don't think we're all right. We'll we'll look elsewhere. But but we, but, but we need to sell him. He costs us loads. Yeah. No, you're stuck with him. Uh, no coincidence then looking at Queen's Park Rangers style long balls. You like that one, Neil, won't Has you? Has he even managed a game yet? Don't care. He came in as an advisor a couple of weeks ago, didn't he? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> My advice is sack him. Give me the job. I'm only joking. No, I'm not. I mean, really. Well, you know, Sarah, one, you know, one more pay Polishing day. the nameplate. <laughs> one more crack at the Premier League. Well, that young lad is in my parking space, isn't he? <laughs> there's, yeah, only, there's only one that. person at this club with seven promotions. This game, what I want is Neil Warnock, Steve Evans, fist fight on the touchline. Bare shirts. Oh. Shirts off. Come on. <laughs> to, but to begin with, with them really slinging some vile shit at each other. Actual, like monkeys in the zoo sort of thing. <laughs> no, verbal. Right. I mean, imagine a slanging match between those two. It would be amazing. Both talking about each other in the, in the third person. Steve Evans says you're a wanker. Neil Warnock's not heard the likes of you, etc., etc. Yeah. Six points out of Tell these... Tell him, Clint. Six points out of these two games. Because we're on a run. Yeah, fuck it, why not? Steve Evans can do anything. Yeah. But one of them's Rotherham, the other one's managed by Neil Warnock. We know what that's like. The Ken Bates, villain of the fortnight. We've got about a month of people on this, haven't we? To go at, at least a month, I would say. Probably. Uh, is Ken going to have a cuss? Mike? Michael, are you? Is, am I correct in thinking that you listened to Ken Bates voluntarily in your car on the way here? Yeah, I, well, I thought it'll be a nice little thing to listen to because we talk about it on the podcast, listen to his um, his weekly diatribe. But it's 40 minutes, and the drive here, because it's, you know, 6 o'clock on a Sunday, was very, very clear, and it only took me 20 minutes. So... I'm only halfway through it. He was murmuring on about all the people, um, it's, it's just the same every week, about all the people he had who would have spent money yeah, on Leeds United. The, the Arabs. Gary Cooper, lots of people. People, people have got, oh, this money's spent, they don't because of the African children. Yeah. Uh, and he didn't get onto anything outside of football, which was a shame. I'm sure he would have had a pop at like the John Lewis advert or something. <laughs> something he's seen in the press that he thinks, I'm just going to talk about this for a bit. Well, emigrant from water and was there anything nominatable in there um he says well he just talks a lot of shit but continued probably. existence is it for continuing to talk about lust when maybe. he when he sold he sold up several years ago maybe for it's uh maybe it's for the longevity not just of his life but now also of his podcasts 42 minutes is really pushing the boundaries of how long he should be talking for yeah Bloody hell, there's a lot of pot and kettle there. <laughs> there was only one question, I think, in my entire car journey. And it was him. I don't think he, he let the... What well, do you think you can, of Syrians, if you can, Ken? If you can call them an interviewer, the person who goes, Ken, do you want to talk? And then just puts the feet up. What am I asking you about, Ken? <laughs> so, yeah, he can get nominated for whatever, really. It's, it's our useful fallback position, isn't it? Um, I should say as well, because I haven't actually introduced it yet, this is the fortnightly awards uh, that we give to somebody who has added to our perpetual state of misery as Leeds fans, because it is a miserable business. Mm-hmm. So we like to acknowledge somebody who's added to our misery every fortnight. Um, Ken Bates has his customary nomination. Who else? I think Uwe Ros has got to be in there. We've got to acknowledge. We haven't acknowledged him with the sacking sirens, so we need to give Uwe a uh, a little Ken Bates for the fortnight nomination on the way out. Yep. Just with for not being, being good enough. Yeah. Frankly, Massimo was right, Uwe. And then I'll change my mind in a minute. Are we going to nominate Massimo for sacking him? Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, yeah. So Massimo Cellino, uh, you were wrong to sack Uwe Rosler. So he goes in there. I'm going to nominate Adam Pearson yep. for uh, dropping us in this mess. Uh, well, maybe that's not the the full story. For giving us false hope by coming in and making things seem all right for a while, and then dropping <laughs> and then us being in this driven mess. towards a breakdown. Um, but he shouldn't. Why should he get? Why should he save himself? What about the rest of us? <laughs> yeah, it's all about numbers, isn't it? Play the percentages. Um, I would also like to nominate Massimo again mm. for the LFU thing. I thought that was a bit naughty. Hell naughty. I mean, we've kind and of and the tickets thing. It can be have a third nomination Massimo, for the yeah. ticket limited. That's thing. three nominations for Massimo. We've kind of dodged around that because you've got the longer interview with Dylan and Sharon on the other thing. But yeah, that sucked. <laughs> That's all right. Okay. Uh, any other nominations? I think one thing we mentioned the tickets, but where Massimo did have a point was that Sky needs to stop fucking us and the mm-hmm. football world about. Sky. 
He handled it the wrong way, but Sky are still a legitimate target. Uh, speaking of legitimate... I'm not suggesting you bomb them, by the way. When people talk about legitimate <laughs> targets, it might sound a little bit terroristic. That's uh, that's you on a watch list now, GCHQ and all that. A legitimate target in the terrorist sense, uh, Steve Evans. Why? What's this force he done? Look at him. You won't want to blow him up. <laughs> It'd be exciting. It'd be interesting. See how Mr. Creosote. Yes, what, what, he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See what kind of crater he leaves. One for um, the kids there. There you go, kids. Look at Mr. Creosote. Steve Evans for upsetting me. Um, when what, we talk about well, Ken Bates for another fortnight is for people who have affected our enjoyment adversely affected our enjoyment of following Leeds United the moment he was announced my enjoyment of Leeds United is wump Scott Watson uh, nah funny because it pissed off Huddersfield right. okay. Liam Cooper could nominate him but it was a magnificently worked set piece routine <laughs> the ball wasn't even in play that was the best thing I didn't <laughs> even kick the ball in Watson didn't even seem all that bothered he was kind of, you've got Liam Cooper's unconscious on the floor. Very thick skull. With doctors and nurses running onto the pitch with all kinds of equipment. Half the cast of casualties. At least he didn't need a fucking helicopter like that clown last year. And Wharton's just kind of like, oh, did I hit him? Um, well, I'll go and stand ready for when corner's taken. It's just brilliant to watch. Uh, nominate Liam Cooper for um, getting in Scott Wharton's way. Uh, I'd like to nominate Don Goodman as well. Ah. As he wasn't as bad as normal, I didn't think. Is the quote true? Because I missed it. The one where he says... I hate Leeds. No. Um, <laughs> Those bastards. If it hadn't been for the goals scored against them, yes. and if Huddersfield had managed to get on the score sheet today, Huddersfield could have won this. It was very Wilkinson-esque, yeah. If we had scored a goal and they hadn't scored a goal, we would have won that Wilkinson's game. better than that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's going in there because he's terrible. He's a terrible man. Well, yeah. Um, that was his commentary on... Um, the was it the second goal when two up where he just went Life's unfair <laughs> football's unfair. Yeah. Right, I, I hate this. It's awful. Alright, so we've got Ken Bates, Juve Rosler, Massimo, Adam Pearson, Massimo, Massimo, Sky, Steve Evans and Don Goodman. Who Football League. Oh, what for? Uh banning Massimo. Has that added to our misery? Yes. Oh, exceptionally so. How did you feel on the day when Rosler was sacked and then in the afternoon Football League bans Massimo Cellino for Fuck's sake! Couldn't just announce it another day. Well, late, late one there on the rails. Football league. Who's having it? I think there's a three strikes and you're out policy needs to operate. Really, if Massimo's been nominated for uh, no, I can't. I feel like Adam Pearson for this one because if if he just stayed, manned up, and just dealt with it, manned up, just turn your phone off. I I don't agree with that. No, okay. I I don't vote for Pearson. What do you say, Michael? Three strikes and you're out for Massimo. Well. He said he's going to sell the club on the basis of people not liking him. And if, if we fail to give him this, he might decide to stay. True. Hey, I won an award. No, Massimo, you just weren't nominated as hated. Hey, I'll take it. Yeah, I'll back that. All right, we'll give it to Massimo. Is, it, is he a first-time winner of this? Uh, can't no remember. He sort of feels like he should have won it before. <laughs> it's not like, not like he's not done anything to deserve it. Any other business? Look out then for issue four of the mag, 84, 84 pages, bumper, two pounds. Somebody should give us an award for that, you know. They've nominated us. Again, yeah. We're not going to win it this year, though. No, we're not, are we? We're really not, um, because it's been decided by a panel, and we think the Football Sports Federation, nice as they are for letting us win it twice, have put paid to our scheme to have loads and loads of people vote for us. Uh, like we did last year. I think um, it was the man in America who voted 500 times in an hour or something. Yeah, from the same IP address. Just, if you're going to cheat, like Stephen, do, do it more cleverly. Send us an email, we'll, we'll put you on some good proxy servers, VPN <laughs> providers, that kind of thing. It's all irrelevant now, unless unless they finally uh, relent and let us in the podcast category, which I think, is that still a public vote? Mm, that yeah, one so is. That, we'll probably be kept out of that until... until but yeah, like, be, kept to be nominated is, you know, we've been nominated every year. Five, five years out of five, yeah. Yeah, very wow. happy with that. Thank you for buying the mag and all that stuff. Yeah, we really appreciate it. And, and for it, nominating us, because we didn't nominate it. Did we nominate ourselves? Yeah, are we probably. defending winners? We I'm are. We sure. are. We have the vanity within our corridors to Well, do if that. nobody bought it, I don't think we'd be so vain to keep making it. So, um, thank you for buying the magazine. Yeah, and do buy issue four. That's against uh, Rotherham, out against Rotherham. 84, is it going to be 84 pages again? We'll see. We're going to put it together this week and see how it comes out. We're always like, oh, we can't do 84 pages again. And then uh, Eamon is generally like, I want to do 100 pages. So, 
Well, some it, happy medium. Will it's your last struck. chance to buy it while it's still the best fanzine in the country, officially. That's true, yeah. yeah. Uh, it will definitely come with some good girth. We, we, we're saying it, it'll oh, be a girthy thing. It'll be a little like mini Steve Evans. Uh, yeah, that's on sale against Rotherham and, of course, always uh, at thesquareball.net. Uh, don't forget to check us out. You can get us on uh, Apple, Android devices via the Acast apps, SoundCloud, iTunes, wherever you want, really. Um, if you want to drop us an email... Uh, you can do podcast at the squareball.net is where you will find us. Um, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all, all those places. Uh, and hopefully, all things being well, we will be back. Let's not say a fortnight. Let's say soon. Are we going to make any promises here? My wife uh, nearly kicked me out of the house for coming to do this on a Sunday evening. So uh, we'll have to see, won't we? Hopefully, not too long. We look forward to speaking I hope to you. Hope you can get back in. Yeah, she might have changed the locks. Uh, yeah, we'll speak to you soon. I'm Dan, and cheers from Michael and Moscow. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. And uh, Oddie, if he ever returns, hopefully he will one day. Hopefully he will one day. But uh, we'll speak to you again soon. It's all right. The Square Ball Podcast. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Cast.